0: From the heart of Dubai, where tomorrow is being built today, to the world. Welcome to the CTO Show with Mehmet. Here, we redefine technology and reimagine possibilities. With Mehmet, delve into the riveting realms of AI, cybersecurity, and digital technology. Experience the thrilling highs and lows of startups. Immerse yourself in the spirit of entrepreneurship and witness the future of business innovation being written in real time. Now, without further ado, let's tune in and explore the future.
1: Hello and welcome back to a new episode of the CTO Show with Mehmet. Today, I'm very pleased joining me, a guest who came from Armenia. He's currently in the UAE, but going back but I love to to speak always to fellow uh, CTOs and entrepreneurs. So, Hakob, thank you very much for being on the show today. The way I love to do it is I keep it to my guests to introduce themselves and tell us a little bit more about what they do.
2: Okay, thank you, Mehmet. Uh, so, I'm Hakob, um, ex-CTO, of a couple of successful and unsuccessful startups, and currently I'm the CEO of Hucktech. I founded my company when I was 19 years old, and grow it to a team of 80 people right now. We are mostly working with like Western clients, having pretty big, multi-billion-dollar or public companies in our portfolio. And I'm currently a little bit out of the CTO role; I'm more on a CEO executive role. But I still have my technical knowledge, and I still have my passion into uh, like technical work.
1: That's amazing, Jacob. Uh, and you know, like I'm, I'm interested to uh, you know know a little bit more now during our conversation about this. So the f- first thing, you know, what attracted you, uh, you know, to the tech, and then how this transition happened, you know, uh, that led you to to, to start uh, HackTech today.
2: Yeah, actually, I was having passion since my early childhood. At that time I was more like, oh I'm going to build games and this kind of stuff. But then I uh, entered to the university, applied mathematics and informatics, and there were it really started to grow into the uh, career, into the profession. And at that time when I was starting ArcTec, there were a lot of IT companies growing. It was this boom of outsource and outstaffing. And I clearly could see that uh there is something missing. There is a lot of people working, but uh creating less value than it could be created. So that was the main driver. I found it tactic to bring something new to the outsource world. And that's what we are positioning ourselves now. So we are not an outsource, neither outstaff agency. What we are doing is the software engineering partner. So we are basically becoming the team. And the main difference here is that we are coming with our processes of product management, project management, engineering, best practices. And as a team, we are, i believe creating much bigger value than you can create just by like outstaffing couple of developers or outstaffing a pm so that's that's what um, was the main driver to start the company
1: now i would ask you something uh, and because you know i interviewed a lot of people uh, and they had different point of view so do you think you know as startup i need you know a full time cto full time Product manager at the beginning, or is it like yeah. something that they can do it later on? And this is where actually your 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 role comes into the place, right? Um, yeah. yeah. So so, uh, and you know, tell me a little bit more about the struggles. I know that many people knows, but you know, just to highlight for someone who might be he's not technical and he wants to start. So what are like also the struggles they face with offshore teams usually?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, actually, I uh, love this topic. I call this like how to run a company without a CTOs. So if you are a startup, uh, if you go to outsource or outstuff, you need to have a CTO because like in outstaff, you are just getting like people, but you don't get the knowledge, you don't get the base. So you don't know how to run these people. Uh, CTO is a person who should coordinate, put processes, put some quality gates, some infrastructure, architecture, et cetera. And if you go with outsource, you are... Getting something done, but you don't own the knowledge again in your company. So I think as a startup, if you don't have a CTO, you need to work with a company that's coming with the processes and implementing it into the into your company. And that's what we are doing like uh, in our uh, p- partnerships always like uh, we create the notion or confluence with all the information, all the processes. We create the CICD pipelines we put the right product management processes because I'm also very big fan of product management myself. I I believe that uh, even if you have amazing development team, if you have a bad product management standard or like um, no standards at all, then you will end up with a great product that no one wants to use. So uh, on my perspective, product management, product manager is a very important role in every startup. So the question like
1: here is, when would be the right time to, to hire a full-time CTO? So, so because you, know, you are providing this um, at the maybe baby stages, let's call it. So, so when, when would be the right time later to have a leadership within the startup itself?
2: Yeah, I think it's uh, either when you are starting to create multiple product lines or when your product is... Uh, so for me, CTO is more executive person. It's not the person who should go and like, check the code uh, accept merge requests, etc. While in many companies CTO doing that job, so CTO should be more strategic position. And as soon as you need that person to go check for companies, do mergers and acquisitions, etc., or create a, like long term technical vision, that's where you need the CTO. Uh, in other cases, companies might call it a CTO, but it's more like a uh, director of engineering position or engineer lead position. Great. That's, that's,
1: you know, looks like very logical to me. And, you know, I love when you said, like, the CTO doesn't have to, to, to write the codes. Right. <laughs> so this is uh, well said. Now, I would love to, you know, because you said, like, you have done some startups, of they fail. And, you know, today is a topic usually that people wonder about, you know, on top of mind of everyone. I want to build a SaaS product. Right. So, based on your experience, what are the common mistakes usually have you seen? You know, people do when they are building SaaS product development, and on a high level, also like how how these mistakes can can be avoided.
2: In, yeah, in, in our case, I would say uh, the most uh, common failure was the lack of proper product management. So. One of the startups where I was co-founder and uh, like I was the CTO, was a piece solution for Europe, and uh, it was similar to Twilio, but we were having like some different approaches, different billing uh, processes, and it was pretty good until GDPR because our model was completely completely relying on some uh, phone books and phone numbers that we were also providing to the customer. So um, the main reason the product failed was GDPR, but the reason why it didn't uh, like uh, go very well not to rely on this one GDPR model was a bad product management so we were not concentrating on the core and I think on site as a service type of business when you are startup you have limited budget you need to always go with only building what really matters so like we ended up creating tons of gold tons of complicated logic to find out the cheapest SIP provider, et cetera, which was not making sense at that point because we are not dealing with like millions of dollars to try to save some five or 10% there. So this was one of the mistakes that we started to think too much about the corner cases that really don't matter on a startup. And another big mistake was that we were just doing on our bias. So oh, I think this Users will not like this. We need to change this. We need to change this. And we ended up redesigning the whole platform, which was a very big platform, I think three, four times, complete redesign, without uh, getting any feedback from the user. So it was just our opinion that it's bad. We need to redesign to make it better. Um, I think these are the common mistakes uh, when there is no product management processes. There are no user interviews. You are just building what you think is right, and then you are not able to sell and you are just thinking that it's bad design and going and investing more and more only designing and another mistake is that uh, like uh, you are not concentrating on the exceptional value that your product should give i i love this you know and a uh, couple of weeks back someone asked me this
1: question i said you have to go out so people usually ask how how we can first validate the idea and second you know start to take these feedback so any any kind of a I would say success recipe, I know it would be different from product to product, but I mean, how they can start this actually, even from the early stages, so from validation.
2: Yeah, I think it's uh, not super easy to understand this on validation because when you are talking to the users, they might tell, oh yeah, we like this idea, but actually when it comes to using, they are not so eager to use. For me, one of the best things in, in successful startups is continuous delivery. so for example uh, aWS Amazon like if I'm not mistaken, they are releasing new changes every one second and with this co- continuous delivery mindset and tools and techniques, what we are doing is we are releasing to production every day every two days and this is giving you a big advantage uh, like because in, in traditional scenario, let's say you do a sprint two weeks and then you release something and then you go another two weeks trying to find out your customers love it or not, and then you go through another cycle, then putting it into the backlog, the changes, et cetera. With continuous delivery, you can release every day. You can release something today, get feedback tomorrow, add it to the like next uh, um, uh, next item in the backlog, reshape it, and All this feedback loop, the most important thing to shorten this feedback loop, the delivery loop, so you can build the product that your clients really need. Hundred yeah, percent,
1: I agree with you on this. And uh, this sometimes also some I heard from some people. People get excited at the beginning and they tell them, "Yeah, yeah," like you know, it will be nice. But they will, when they launch it, no one comes to it. And I think you know this is where you know there are like different techniques. Yeah. So whether you you maybe let them pay free pay maybe the offering or like maybe pre-book it sometime. So it all depends to see if this is they they will be willing uh, to pay money for that. Now, something I want to ask you here related to, uh, like, the culture, okay? So, because I know, like, you, you, you when I was preparing, I've seen you, you talk about this topic as well. So, how important is, in a in a startup also to build the culture that would help you to keep attracting the talents? Because, especially today, it's very competitive. Like, engineers, they can shift from one company to another very easily. So, what's your... Philosophy, I would say,
2: on, on,
1: on
2: this one. Yeah, it's definitely the most important thing. Yeah, even if we are from technical perspective, uh, not even from retention perspective, if you want to do continuous delivery, you, you should have a like, super good culture where people don't afraid to make mistakes because continuous delivery itself means it's like releasing every day. It means that there is a bigger chance of failure, even though you are putting a lot of gates, like uh, security gates, got quality gates, etc. But it still like uh, can cause a lot of failures. And as a company, you should be, uh, you should have not blaming culture, you should culture. So I think in IT overall uh, is the industry where uh, you can push person to work because uh, otherwise you need to put like 10 PMs to uh, measure their work, understand if they are performing well, or if there is some slight uh, decreasing their performance. Mm-hmm. So the best way is to have a culture where, where people really want to work, where people really are getting motivated by the impact they are making. So and this is another thing that uh, a tactic in our model we appreciate is that in all stuff, you can't control the culture because yeah, you can put the values on the wall. You can talk about them, but you have these individuals like 80 people working on 80 different products and you can, can't control uh, the culture in that products. And the person is like working eight hours on the client's project. So even if you have very nice office with nice people, it's still the culture of the project uh, they are working. In our case, with a team of 80 people, we have just nine projects right now. So we have a big team on each project and we are selecting our partners based on the culture. Like we're talking to them, seeing if they think the way we think, if they are open to this model of work and only then we are working. So I would say culture is the most important, one of the most important things in the uh, in this business.
1: That's 100%, you know, also very resonating with me because the feedback I, I receive when uh, I talk with engineers, you know, they, they care about, you know, uh, the work environment and they want peace of mind, like it's not the perks and, you know, the, the benefits anymore, it's like, you know, some place where they can feed their home. Now let's shift a little bit to AI and, you know, of course on, on this podcast, we discussed AI, maybe more than any other podcast ever, like every episode, almost I ask something related to AI, but now, you know, from, from you know, software development perspective, do you see AI as a threat? Do you see it as a tool you can leverage it? Um. What are, like, your, your, I would say, opinions on on different aspects of using AI with with building software and, you know, even for the model that you use today?
2: Yeah, Yeah, I'm looking on AI as absolute, like, supporting tool, not a threat. And I'm comparing this to the, like, uh, era when the electricity was invented or when the computers became accessible because AI is not something new. Like, the GPT models are there for a very long time. And as soon as it became a cloud, as soon as it became uh, accessible, uh, I mean, I was playing with GPT-2 a couple of years ago. And this GPT-3, when it was in the cloud, it was accessible to everyone. It started this hype that everyone started, oh, this is writing so good text, it's going to replace shows. But actually, if you think of it, it's just, uh, it's just text generation. So it's just generating text. It doesn't have the soft skills, the emotions people have, which makes the be- biggest difference. So it's just the tools to make people more effective. And I'm sure it will uh, push us to the point that we'll create more value. It will push us to the point that maybe we'll work a little bit less, but it will never be able to replace uh, human. Uh, the same way as the computers didn't replace human, but uh, they make uh, like human more uh, like more productive. So, for example, if On an accounting, uh, maybe like 30 years ago, it was necessary to have 30 people. Now you can have three people because of the computer. But it didn't took the jobs. It just shifted people to different uh, new positions. It opened up a lot of new jobs. So it's, yeah, I'm super positive about the AI impact.
1: Out of curiosity, because, you know, in in, in software development, in building, you know, uh, any software product, there are a lot of things. People think about it only... coding part itself, which is one part of it. So, where do you see the AI, you know, contributing much more? Is it on, let's say, the frameworking part? Is it on the QA part? Is it on, like, where do you see it, like, at least in the couple, I would not say years, at least in a couple few months, maybe one year from now, taking over in a sense, I mean, we as humans leveraging it. And are we, you know, later seeing AI doing, let's say, maybe, it will not do 100% of the jobs, we know this, but at least maybe doing 80% of the job. What do you think about that?
2: Yeah, uh, actually, uh, when talking to AI, again, most people just thinking about GPT, about generative, type, But I think that AI potential overall, the other, completely other type of models, uh, the potential is much bigger. So one of the biggest places that I see AI can contribute is the uh, data Analysis because uh, again back to the product management the most important thing to analyze the data understand what your users doing understand what your uh, users feeling and sometimes even though there are tons of tools that supporting these heat maps etc etc it's still as a human very difficult to understand all this data and even though you are like merging it with Tableau with other like uh, these kind of BI tools trying to get something it is very time consuming and it's not giving hundred percent. So I'm sure with AI, with uh, this kind of uh, data analyzation models, at some point, we can have much better picture about what really needs to be improved in our website, where our users are really struggling. So I would say the biggest contribution that I see uh, can be generated is data analysis.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. Now, any uh, uh, by the way, just like one quick uh, thing about what you mentioned when it comes to AI, people think AI is only ChatGPT, and yes, AI is not ChatGPT only. ChatGPT is like one application of of the AI thing. So thank you for for reminding the, us about this, Hakob. Um What are like other technologies you are seeing really you know might give uh, the same impact, same as what GPT have gave us last year and the year before, actually. Uh, anything else are you seeing? Any trend you're closely following other than the AI? Uh,
2: yeah, actually, uh, I would say, again, uh, related to AI, what I really like in this recent articles that I I was checking is the uh, uh, AI tools working with voice. So I think from now on, everything will be AI-related. Whatever there will be created, it will somehow relate it to AI. It will have some AI components. So, I really like this voice-changing uh, voice, uh, voice changing technology, which uh, I find really useful. So there are these AI trends, AI models can can uh, real-time change your accent. I speak like Armenian accent, you speak maybe Emirates accent. So uh, yeah, there are tools that can real-time convert this, which I find very interesting, very useful. Uh, with alongside with uh, regular AI even GPT tools, so you can build some nice applications for call centers. You can uh, write some nice uh, like uh, bots that are making calls, talking to human voice. So I think the biggest trend will go uh, from text to voice and video, which already we are seeing many tools that can create uh, video, uh, many tools that can create voice, etc. And another big potential I see will become the tools that will be kind of anti-AI. Uh, so it will be, be like finding out GPT-written content. It will be finding out these deep fakes because it's a real threat, to the, especially to the famous personality. If you can use AI to replicate their voice, their video, and at some point, this is going to become a problem. And the anti-fake, anti-GPT tools are going to be very useful at some point as well.
1: Two things, and I think you you, you spotted that uh, very right. Uh, so f- the first thing is regarding uh, you know the use of voice. So we started to see these products back in December. There was this uh, human, you know, the, the 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 device that supposedly they want to market it as a replacement to the phone. We started to see you know some other uh, form of products. I mean, physical product that they are AI powered. And it's all about interacting with the AI, whether, you know, with voice or with video. So, so I think, yeah, you, you know, like this is a very interesting time will show us if they would succeed. So people, because they are liking, I think this customization, the AI feels let you feel that, you know, it's, it's talking to you only as Hakob or me as Mehmet, right? So this is interesting. And the second thing you, you mentioned about, you know, deep fake and, you know, how, how AI will be used to, to deep fake. And maybe people a couple of weeks back, by the time this would be aired, like it would be like almost one month maybe or one month and a half. So there was this story about, you know, how they use a defake of a CFO um, to, to get, I think it was like big amount of money, $25 million or something like this from from one of the banks. And it was like, wow, everyone was talking about it. It's becoming harder and harder to spot these differences, but as you said, like time will show us. It's very interesting times. Now, Hagop, like you know, one thing before we close. Actually, this question came to my mind, and because you are you are actually doing it from from your side. Um, when it comes to you mentioned about the CTO role, like maybe he should have or she should have knowledge in in, in the infrastructure. And there are a lot of debates currently about the cloud and, you know, which cloud to go to. So are you seeing more a tend to go with one cloud, multi-cloud, a mix between multi-cloud and maybe some still on-premises? What what, what are, like, your uh, observation? I would say, from that part?
2: Yeah, actually, as uh, we are mostly working with site-as-a-service type of companies or some digital transformation companies, we are uh, always going with cloud. So uh, we never have like real dedicated in-house servers uh, to work with, But um, and I think there is just no point even the very... Uh, I know that like uh, banks in Qatar started to move to cloud. So it's a big sign that there is a very big trust uh, towards the clouds. and. I think it's just not making sense to spend so much resources. Uh, again, like this is the part of concentrating on what really makes sense and concentrating on core value that you are giving. So there's just no. It's just not making sense uh, to build a cloud from scratch. And by the way, about the startup that I told when we were doing for Europe this voice over IP thing, uh, I created. Uh, I, I was also coding that time because, like, it was six, seven years ago. I created a infrastructure which was automatically scaling based on the calls number and it was like uh, I think I spent 3-4 months purely on this one task, which could be done like uh, which is already built in AWS and ma- every other cloud so it, it was just not making sense. In terms of multi-cloud if you need like uh, 99.99% uptime then maybe it makes sense uh, to go to multi-cloud solutions but Usually in our projects, we just go multi-region. So we, we are 95% in AWS cloud um, with our clients. And in AWS, we just use multi-region uh, infrastructure, which is, again, giving very, very high scalability and we never faced any big downtimes, et cetera. So unless you are, again, building some projects where there is absolutely necessary to have some backup of the backup of the backup. And I, I think one cloud with multiple regions uh, should work totally fine. And in terms of trends, uh, like at least in US, I'm seeing big uh, trends towards uh, AWS. In Middle East, I'm seeing a big trend toward Microsoft Azure, just because Microsoft having these local um, servers in Middle East, and I think it's giving almost free for startup. It has lots of programs. So uh, yeah, I. I'm seeing a big trend in Middle is to go to Microsoft, Azure, and US to uh, AWS. Sorry, to your point, you're right. So,
1: so for the hyperscalers, so whoever was you know, the pioneer in, in being in one country, so they have the edge because they arrived um, before, so 100%. This is what we are seeing, although here in the UAE, uh, Majority of the hyperscalers are here, so we see Microsoft, we see AWS. Like as you mentioned in Qatar, it's like now more Microsoft in in, in Bahrain because they were, AWS they start their first region there, so it's like AWS now Google in Qatar and Saudi Arabia. So so it's interesting times of this cloud migration project that that will go on. Small advice from my side: Don't if 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 you know you're just thinking about it as a shift and lift. Think again because you know. Otherwise, your bill will become very high. So, uh, <laughs> you know, you need you need to plan it well. Just pushing the servers to the cloud is not the thing. You need maybe to think about the rearchitecturing also of your uh, applications over there. Now, Jakob, uh, just final advice from your side to to fellow entrepreneurs, and also where they can find more about you. Uh, uh,
2: they can find about me LinkedIn. Just uh, I'm. I would say super responsive there. So anytime, uh, uh, just any advice, I'd be happy to share. And final advice is just, again, to pay very much attention to product management processes. If you are uh, like just CEO, not having CTO or product manager, you need to take some education uh, to learn how the right product management being done. And it's not super complex. It's just the processes that you need to understand and you need to follow. So uh yeah, this is my advice to because I'm seeing this mistake so much in our clients that uh, they are coming and hey, our CEO wants this button to be purple, and there is no logic behind it. So uh, it's super important that if you are an IT company or if you are a company that wants to go to digital transformation and become an IT company, you need every person in the company should have some level of education to understand how what it is. because IT is different cultures, different environments. So yeah, that's my. Advice to other entrepreneurs.
1: Thank you very much, Jacob. I will make sure that also your LinkedIn profile and uh, the link to your company is in the show notes. Uh, Thank you very much for the time today. It was like uh, a pleasure to talk to you, Uh, and um, you know the, the topics we discussed. I think they are they should be exciting for fellow. I would say startups, founders, entrepreneurs, and even tech, tech people. So thank you very much for sharing uh, your insights, Hakob, with us today. And usually this is how we end each episode. So this is for the audience. If this is your first time here, you just discovered this podcast. Thank you very much for passing by. I hope you like it so you can subscribe on all your favorite podcasting platforms. And if you are one of the you know, loyal followers that keep sending me their notes, their Uh, you know messages thank you very much and keep them coming i really appreciate that and as usual i repeat this at the end of each episode if you are interested to be on the show you are working on something different you have an idea you want to talk about you have a new technology you came up with you're doing something that might help might help other founders i would love to hear that from you so don't hesitate to reach out to me you know where to find me and thank you very much for tuning in and we'll meet again very soon thank you
0: hit that subscribe button share the show with your tech savvy friends and fellow entrepreneurs and leave us a review on your favorite podcast app your support means the world to us